Uh, all right, so thank you for tuning in to Off Balance. My name is Anna. I'm your host, and today I'm joined by uh, Devin Polito. And today we're gonna try to discuss spiritual awakenings. So, uh, starting off with the conversation, um, do you mind telling me like the first? Well, because you did mention that you grew up religious. Yes, um, I grew up in a pretty much immigrant household. So my dad's side, it was straight from Mexico, and on my stepmom's side, it was straight from the Philippines. And both of those countries are very, very, very religious countries. So, um, you know, going to church and having to be religious and believe in God was not really an option growing up, you know. So I spent so much time going to church. I was a halter boy. I mean, I was giving, you know, or speaking during church and actually going up doing the precisionals and all that and preaching the gospel and um, I also went to private school for a long time so I'd say I'm pretty well versed with uh, religion. religion yeah okay cool um, so was that especially being like um, a highlight of your youth um, at what age did you go to private school I went to private school in kindergarten was about six oh, years old on the very beginning yeah, I took a small break from first through third grade and then went back from fourth through sixth. And then, uh, you know, we had some road bumps with the private school and I ended up having to leave there and go back to public school. So OK, um, um, how was the transition between both Is, since none of them none of them were very like uh, it was kind of like all over the place. Right. Half, half, half. Yeah, I, uh, I went back and forth a lot and. Um, it was a weird transition. It's two completely different worlds, you know. Uh, you go to a private school, which I don't want to generalize and be that guy, but it was a very, what you see in the movies is kind of what you get. It's a very nose upturned, lots of wealthy families that think that they're better than other people. And I wasn't that growing up. Like I said, I came with immigrant parents. So um, we weren't dirt poor, but we weren't you know living just a different situation exactly right you know i i mean i literally had friends who would rent out the entire mavs locker room for their birthday parties and go play in the american airlines center and do stuff like that meanwhile i'm over here being told that all we can eat for dinner is fried bologna sandwiches (laughs) so it was a like like living two lives right yeah exactly you know um going to school and seeing these kids who could go on family vacations to Disney World and do what they wanted to do. Meanwhile, I'm going home and I mean, it was just a completely different change of perspective and it really allowed me to see just how big of a difference there is between certain people and uh, especially more so once I transitioned back to public school because once I transitioned back to public school, it felt normal again i guess yeah. is a good way to put it i didn't feel so out of place you know yeah and i'm sure like going into pu- um, private school there's already this this standard you feel like you have to meet and i feel like you have to have that regardless to get in in the first place like. yeah so the reason i was able to get in so easily was because my stepmom was a teacher there oh, okay. so she was a teacher she still is a teacher but now she teaches public school but um they would just take the pay out of her paycheck and me and my little sister would go there and that was that. And um, I will say that the academics were a lot more intuitive, I guess. They were trying to teach a bit above where you know, you're supposed to be at that age, which worked out because once I went back to public school, I realized that I was you know, learning at a more advanced level. So it helped me kind of not have to worry about my grades. And that's good. So yeah. it was interesting. No, I'm sure. Um, so 
when did you feel in yourself that hey maybe church or organized religion isn't my thing honestly kind of my entire life i never felt the desire to go to church i never felt like i needed to get up on sunday morning and get dressed and go you know for me it was kind of just like you weren't missing anything if you didn't show up. exactly i wanted to i was more as a kid just wanting to live my life go outside play play video games and for me going to church was more so of a hassle and i still did my prayers and i never felt like it was the wrong thing to be doing until i got older and um I just kind of realized, hey, maybe this isn't for me. If I'm so uncomfortable being here and, mm-hmm. you know, it's becoming more tedious for me to be here, then why am I spending so much time coming? And, you know, of course, I didn't really have a say in it because I was still a kid. But yeah. um, it gave me that kind of mindset once I got older and once I kind of came into being my own person of maybe I want to kind of see what else there is for me and just take a step back. So how do you think the the community in the church um would you say benefited you or hindered you in some way? Did that help? I like to think that I took a little bit of good from everything that I've done in life because otherwise it just seems like I really kind of wasted my time doing something and I hate the idea of wasting time. But the community was how should I put it? It was hit and miss. Mm. very hit and miss because I have some people that I know from the community that I still talk to and I have some people from that community that I don't want anywhere near me or my family or anyone that I associate myself with um but I feel like you find that anywhere so um it was a good learning experience and it was a good way to learn both what I do want to be like as I grow and what I don't want to be like as I grow so yeah, um. I'd, I'd have to agree because um, I can relate in that sense. I was, al- was also pretty much born into a church, um, but I was born into a Mormon church. Oh. So I've been, um, <laughs> I was Mormon a lot of my youth and um, my dad was super involved in the church. He became like a, a counselor at one point, I believe. And it was it was kind of like a the little government that runs the church. Yeah. You know, he was a part of that. And. When there was a rough patch in my family, which is like a personal thing, it has nothing to do with the church. Mm-hmm. The church did get involved. And it was around that point when I started to notice the community turn their backs on us or, you know, do the whole like, mm, you know, we don't have issues kind of thing. Yeah. And and that's kind of what made me open my eyes as to these people don't care much for the words they're reading or practicing they care more for the image that it gives them and i felt like um probably by the time i was 12 i was like i i don't think i like to be a part of this and there was just these constant like black and white pictures that they engrave into your head like if you do this you're bad if you do this you're good and that i feel like definitely going into my preteens that probably like fucked me up because when I started to have my own mentality and my own free will I was like what what is it that I want to do that doesn't make me feel guilty or that doesn't Mm -hmm. make me feel like crap about certain things so it was definitely hard to figure out who I was coming out of the church because 
you're pretty much already given this image of what to be when you're born into it. Exactly. And for me, it, I'm glad that I ended up leaving when I did in sixth grade because my private school wasn't a big commercial private school like you hear about in some parts of Dallas, like, you know, Jesuit Academy or Ursuline Academy. It was the small, you know, kindergarten through eighth grade. And the thing about going to a private school like that is the community is so close-knit and tight that mm -hmm. you don't get to experience outside life. And if you never take a step back, you never realize how much you're actually missing. So when I left in sixth grade and I was on the outside looking in now and, you know, still trying to communicate with some of the friends that I went with, I realized it was almost like a, I don't want to say a cult because that's putting a generalization and a bit of a <laughs> cruel word on something that doesn't deserve it. But I mean, that's what it was like. You could say cult like. Exactly. It yeah. was cult like. Because all these kids only know each other. Mm -hmm. And the school didn't have big extracurricular activities like other schools where, you know, you have all these different sports to choose from and all these different club activities you can do. It was basketball, choir, student council. That's pretty much it. Yeah. If you did Boy Scouts outside, it was Boy Scouts. So it was very interesting seeing that growing up even through high school all these kids only knew each other so when they had to become the fish out of water and go to the bigger high schools and actually kind of figure out who they were mm -hmm. it was a complete change of pace for them whereas for me i went from private school back to public school early in middle school and it allowed me to become my own person rather than someone that i felt the teachers in the community wanted me to be and it was very beneficial because if i hadn't done that i feel like I would have a lot more toxic traits and personalities than I would have if I'd stayed there or yeah. if I hadn't left. So it was a good step back. And like I said, I don't regret any decisions that I've made in my life. And of course, I, I ended up having to leave because uh, I was failing classes. And <laughs> and there were other school, circumstan circumstances that led up to that that were just creating such a toxic environment that I didn't want to go to school there and I would rather just be done with it and yeah. um, for the sake of legal reasons I won't go into exactly everything that happened but it really opened my eyes to how cult-like the community was and that they were willing to cover up things that definitely didn't need to be covered up for mm -hmm. the sake of their own reputation and the reputation of their parish yeah so and at that point it doesn't it does more bad than good. Exactly. Um, I like to say a lot of times, it's okay to believe in something, but you shouldn't believe in it to the point where it blinds you. Yeah. After we took a step back and kind of started becoming our own people and dropping the cultural necessity for religion, you know, we realized, my family, that it's okay to, you can be a spiritual person without having to be religious. You don't have to believe in a set God and a set group of beliefs to believe in a higher power. Mm -hmm. And so um, I feel like that was one of the r first really big spiritual awakenings for me because it let me take a, a step back and say I, uh, I am not defined by my religion and I am not defined by the religious sect that I choose to bind myself to, you mm -hmm. know. I can still be my own person while believing that I'm doing everything for a higher purpose. Yeah, yeah, um, nicely worded. Uh, are your parents together? No, I actually 
Um, Obviously, you said stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so my that was another big reason why church was such a turnoff for me for a while was because I was born out of wedlock and um, I was a teenage pregnancy. My mom had me when she was 18 or 19. My dad was, I believe, 20 or 21, just a couple of years older. So in a lot of people's eyes, I was, for lack of a better word, a bastard child. I wasn't someone whose parents were together, but that never meant that I had any ill will towards my parents. Of yeah. course, they both gave me all the love and support that they could. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they did their best to make do with what they had and never made it an issue about how much they hated each other or how I was unwanted. Um, so for me, honestly, I have a lot of respect for my parents and especially for my mother because my dad was more old fashioned and he was very insistent that now that we're having a kid, we need to get married. Whereas my mom said, well, why the hell do I need to get married to you if we're having a kid? It doesn't stop me from being a human being. You know, yeah. I can have a kid and still exist as someone else. And I have a lot of respect for her for having the guts to say, no, I'm going to do my own thing and still be a mother for this child. Yeah. So um, a lot of respect to both my parents for not letting a child completely derail their life and um that's important yeah kind of overcoming uh, yeah um i feel like a lot of times when when people have families they lose their sense of self and because they decide to dedicate their being to somebody else but mm-hmm. i feel like even dedicating yourself to your son or daughter is just as bad as you know as a religion yeah i mean the best thing you can do is you know for the sake of your son or daughter or whatever family that you need to take care of, you have to be consistently seeking to become a better you. Because yes. if you insist that now they need to become a better them while you stay where you are, you're not giving them that good role model to look up to, you know? And, um, I mean, getting to watch my parents kind of claw and fight their way to where they are now, despite, you know, the handicap of having a kid at you know, 18, 20 years old, um, it gave me a good role model and a good mindset to kind of start working towards as an adult. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, there was this big messy divorce that had to happen in my life in order for me to like truly understand um, the different aspects of life, mm-hmm. you know, because you can't have bad unless you have good and vice versa. You can yeah. have good unless you have bad. And so it was once, um, my timeline's like totally off, but that happened around like when I was eight. So for me, it felt like since my youth, a lot of my life was just terrible. Um, at least when I was in my depression, I felt like I only looked back at my life in a bad light. And that put me in my loop of like, everything sucks. Everything sucks. My life sucks. And, you know, it all it, like I just kept tracing it back to like my single digit years and without realizing that like my parents have their own lives their own Mm -hmm. wants and their own desires and like maybe they both had a a a difficult time in expressing that to each other and maybe that's why these things happened and so and so so it's like definitely seeing every aspect of things allows for that kind of self-awareness for different situations and reflecting like especially in the state of mind that you're at now to your past is probably the best thing you can do because it helps look for the 
the lessons and everything. And because I feel the same way that you do, you know, that no bad is it, no experience is a bad experience because yeah. something can be learned from every, ex every experience or everything that you have to witness. And so I really do appreciate your outlook on life because it is hard to have that because I know that you have to go through certain things or experience certain things in order to build that kind of outlook. Um, but then again, it does come naturally to some. Yeah. And, um, you know, like I said, I never had to go through parental divorce or anything. Yeah. But my dad had primary custody of me growing up. He was the person that I lived with until I was 16. And I say 16 because at 16, I had to kind of take a step back and reevaluate things. And not to say that, you know, my parents are terrible people or he was a terrible person, but I was his first child. And my stepmom was his first and only marriage. And she's immigrant Filipino, as in her and her mother came to America when she was five or six years old with like five of her other siblings and created a home. And, you know, she was one of the first generation to graduate from college. But the thing about Filipino families is they're very, very close knit, almost like a mafia, I want to say. <laughs> And yeah. that's in the sense that they have each other before they have anything else. While at the same time, her family was very greedy. Mm. And it wasn't realized how bad things were until my grandmother passed away. Because she passed away. And of course, when you have, you know, six or seven kids. Something has and to go will. to someone. Exactly. Yeah. So her family decided they were going to take all the money and leave us the house. The house was also built on a fault line and was falling apart the entire time growing up. And my dad, who's a very no-nonsense man, was like, well, y'all don't just get to take everything. You know, this is, it's supposed to be going to everyone. They didn't like that. And so from that point on, my dad and I became the enemies of the family, despite the fact that all the cousins and all the kids had grown up playing together and we'd always had big family reunions. And as a kid, you know, you don't understand that. You just understand that you're not seeing your friends anymore. You're not seeing these people that you've known your entire life like anymore. Like something's changed. But yeah. Yeah. And that creates more tension in the family. Uh, I never understood why there was so much conflict and turmoil. I mean, even as a kid... My stepmom wanted me to be part of her family because she welcomed me and she would take me to, you know, family gatherings at another family member's house and they would open the door and see me and go, well, what is he doing here? And shut the door in her face and tell her to go home until she dropped me off. And my stepmom, of course, like I said, Filipino families are so close knit. She didn't want to let go and have to tell her family, well, this is my family now. And if you can't take it, then so be it. So. What it took was me finally having to take a step back when I was 16 and go, I can't live like this anymore in this toxic household with everyone being angry all the time, everyone walking on eggshells all because of these outside influences. So I left and I moved in with my mom and that was a really difficult time to move. It's, it's uh, halfway through my junior year of high school. I've had the same friends I've had since sixth grade. So the second half of my junior year and senior year, I went to a completely different high school and kind of just had to make new friends and develop this entire new start over. Yeah. Much. Yeah. And so, um, you know, stuff like that 
really kind of made me realize that uh, it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to have to say that, you know what, this isn't working and it's time for me to take that next step in life because, you know, if I hadn't taken those steps and bettered myself, then I'd still be stuck in the same cycle. And that's, you know, part of the reason why I feel that there's no mistakes is because from that toxic environment and those people who willingly told me they didn't want me, I got to actually bring people into my life that do want me around and realize what it's like to actually have a strong bond with someone and know when someone cares about you. So, you know, good and the bad, bad and the good, it all ties together. Yeah, made you realize the things that you did want for yourself and, yeah. and allowed you to make your own decisions. Well, I'm, I'm good. I'm glad to hear that, like, you took the initiative to change something for yourself. Yeah. Um, I feel like oftentimes we wait for others to do that or mm -hmm. for others to make the decision for us, and, you know, that's when we do waste time. Yeah. So um, you mentioned that you were in the military? Yes, uh, uh, United States Marine Corps. I am still, I have about a year left in reserve duty. But I've been in since 2015. I enlisted the beginning of my senior year of high school and left for boot camp about a month after I graduated from high school. So, okay. Uh, how was how has the military experience um, applied to your spiritual journey? So, the thing about the military is it sucks. It is terrible. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, that's not the same for everyone. Some people love it. I mean, when I first got in and uh, I was still kind of fresh to everything, I loved it because it was a sense of order and a sense of, you know, you're being told exactly what you need, which a lot of people kind of don't get in their life. So for me, it was also a chance to really, really, really open my eyes and see that the world's a really big place. And you know, I was stuck in Texas for a long time and stuck in, you know, Oak Cliff or Irving, Texas, where it's all pretty much the same thing, really kind of down on their luck people or people who have really made things work. And so being able to join the military allowed me to make a lot of new friends that I probably would have never made in the outside world. And it also, because the military has to allow such diversity, allowed me to go and experience a lot of new religions i mean in boot camp alone they tell you that they have like 50 different religious services to go to wow. i started off you know same old same old go to christian catholic church and sit there and kind of just let the preacher preach but my friends kind of convinced me to start going to other services because the Christian Catholic Church was just so... You spend all your time getting beat down and... It's pretty repetitive. Yeah, and the priest was very no-nonsense. You need to sit there quietly and do nothing and just kind of sit around. It's like, well, I could be not doing that right now. There's mm -hmm. other things. So um, it started with my friends convincing me to go to a Protestant church and uh, went, and that church was so different. I mean, we were all on our feet singing songs and everyone's... Yeah. the preacher has his band on stage and we're all laughing and having a good time and kind of actually enjoying our lives for a change which you don't get a lot in boot camp and i was like well if that was already so different and there are literally religions from the other side of the world here why not do that so i mean i've done everything from going to muslim church to buddhist church well, church to it's mainly just meditation to i, I mean <laughs> all sorts of stuff and that allowed me to really kind of see like 
I do think that there is a bigger picture here that we're not all able to quite see, even if it, we might all be wrong. Yeah. We might all be wrong and, you know, Scientology could be right and we're all alien spirits, spirits trapped inside human vessels. <laughs> or, you know, maybe we're all just kind of going to reset when things go. Who knows? But it allowed me to be open to that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And not just that, but open my mind to other people's beliefs. You yeah. know, even just coming in here and sitting down, I've, I can sit and talk with someone about, you know, how they feel about life and what they think the bigger picture is for hours. And I feel like if I'd done that when I was younger without opening my mind, it would be from a hostile place rather than a place of intrigue. I like talking to people because I like learning and kind of seeing where they're coming from because maybe it'll open my mind to something new and maybe it'll allow me to bring in something new that I can then pass on to the people who are important to me. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of why what inspired me to start this podcast because I had finally stepped into who I was or who I felt like I truly needed to be. And in doing so, I craved so much knowledge. I wanted to learn so much. And I feel like the best way to learn is through other people. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times we pass people that are know so much that we lack knowledge in. And I feel like it's a wasted opportunity, you know? So, and I think conversation is the most genuine, genuine way to do it. I feel like social media a lot of times takes the away from that because it, it, what matters is what you look like or how mm -hmm. many people care about what you look like. And and that's why I was like, no, I don't want to do any like YouTube or video podcasting yet because I want to get the point across that this is where you can, yeah. this is where the f the juice is. Yeah, it's, you know? it's a dialogue <laughs> rather than a big picture, you know. And um, yeah, I, I think that being able to take that step back and really kind of find my own self-actualization has been a very healthy thing for me as someone who's spent a big portion of his life battling things like depression and anxiety and um you know wondering if i really wanted to kind of keep pushing myself and doing things mm -hmm. maybe it'd be better to just lay down and give up so you know being able to kind of realize that you know not only have people had it better than me because going to a wealthy private school people always had it better than me they you made know, it clear to to prove that in yeah some way. they made it clear to prove that the someone's material value is not the value of themselves someone's appearance is not the value of themselves you know you can be down on your luck and you know with nothing and still be an interesting person and still be happy with yourself as long as you're taking those steps to kind of become a better you and um you know i pride myself on being very positive about myself and very positive about those around me and kind of accepting that some people aren't going to be happy with me and that's okay as long as i'm happy with me and the people i'm ha happy with are happy with me yeah so um it was very good at opening my eyes and kind of allowing that self-acceptance to come in along with the humility mm -hmm. so yeah I, i've tried to make it a point uh to understand that people's reactions have nothing to do with you as a person you know mm -hmm. uh, the way people react to you is a personal problem that they have to address themselves but as long as you're expressing yourself from an authentic place and not holding back because i feel like when we hold back it leaves space for regret mm -hmm. so in being honest and honesty is the best policy and being authentic i feel like um 
we're able to build stronger bonds and more more helpful and beneficial bonds for both sides. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, real quick, do you do you meditate at all? Yes, actually, um, I do a lot of meditation, and uh, that comes from a place of, like I said, self-actualization and being able to sit and meditate and just kind of not think about anything and just allow myself to exist in a clear state of mind. It allows me to put things that, you know, maybe yesterday seemed like they were the end of the world into perspective, you know. Whenever uh, I got in my first car accident and I was still a bit younger, it was the end of the world. I've never been in a car accident before. Now I don't have a car. Oh, well, now I have a rental. The apartment towed my rental three times because I don't have a parking pass. So now I'm out 600 bucks having to get my car out of impound. And um, stuff like that that used to just overwhelm me and have me completely just at a loss of what to do with myself. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, I kind of just take a step back and sit down, just take some breaths, really just let myself clear my head and um, decompress, you know, almost like, uh, I guess the best way to put it was like letting air out of an air mattress Mm. after a long time where it's getting kind of, you know, all out of wax and stuff and it's lumpy and, you know, now it's just this uncomfortable thing and then you just, or I guess a better sense of the word would be like shutting down a laptop. If you leave your laptop open for too long and you don't shut it down, you don't cycle power on it, it's going to get slow it's going to just build up data on it and then you're going to open it after a couple of days and it's going to take five minutes for you to even open a single web page. Yeah. Whereas you just finally shut it down, just, you know, kind of like you shut yourself down, mm-hmm. give it some time and then it's going to, you know, work like new. Yeah. Right? I so mean, meditation is in my eyes, very crucial towards a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. I, I, I agree very much. Um, have you had any uh, exper- like profound experiences through meditation that have really like, m- I guess, changed your outlook on life? Because, um, yeah, meditation can be like a timeout, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel like there are certain techniques that you can use in meditation that could really just yeah um, bring about. I'd some say stuff. the biggest one was, uh, I believe I was around twenty. Um, I when I went into the military straight out of high school I was dating the same girl Uh, we'd been dating since my senior year of high school and we dated through my first almost two years of military service and dating in the military is really really hard because you have to go places that maybe your significant other can't quite go with you and it takes long distance to a whole different perspective and so we broke up after a couple of years of dating and it really devastated me and for a long time I was very upset and becoming almost self-destructive in a way and you know once I started meditating and kind of taking a step back and living my own life I realized that I had bigger underlying issues that I hadn't faced yet that I needed to face and the only way that I was going to be able to face those things was by just facing myself which yeah. is, you know, kind of how I face or kind of what I do when I meditate mm-hmm. is, like I said, take a step back and not look at this, not look at that, not look at this person or how this person's doing, but look at myself. It's the only person who can break you down to nothing and your most basic elements is yourself. You know, even if you've been married for 50 years and 
you, this person has known you since childhood, they're still not going to know you as well as you know yourself. There's always going to be those small idiosyncrasies that only you know mm -hmm. and only you can recognize. You know, there's some both beneficial and destructive habits that some people never will notice about you. And that's because they're all in your head and maybe you don't voice them. So I learned through meditation that very thing is that when I'm doing this meditation and when I'm having these big issues in life, while it's okay to accept help and okay to, you know, let people in, the biggest thing you can do to get help is to help yourself and to recognize when you're having issues with yourself. And um, that's a trait that I've carried with me from, you know, since then on. And uh, it's, of course, still pretty young, so I don't have a whole lot of life to preach on. But um, it has made life a lot easier moving forward just to be able to say, you know what? I need to take a step back and not be angry that this person said, you know, A, B, and C to me. Mm -hmm. But really before I blow up on anything else, kind of take a step back and say, all right, well, what's going on here? Why, why are we, why are we actually mad? Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, it's crazy how, how, how much childhood traumas really define us. Oh yeah. And we really can't fix that until we are adults. Mm -hmm. And, but the thing is a lot of us choose not to look back into that because it's like, it's oh, it so already scarring. passed. Yeah. Or, or it's like, what's the point right now? Yeah. But, you know, essentially that is underlying problems for everything. I feel like our childhood traumas are are what start the bigger problems mm -hmm. or what blow things up out of proportion, you know, like addictions or yeah. certain, like, triggers and stuff. I mean, so every, yeah. every avalanche has to start with, you know, a small pebble. Or yeah. Something, you know, like you see in the movies, a person clapped and now there's entire mountains falling, you know. You may think that it's just in the past and you need to get over it and move on but it's okay to accept that that's going to be a part of you mm -hmm. and that because once you accept that it is part of who you are and what made you who you are it allows you to say well now i don't want to be that way anymore yeah. i want to become better so you know um i actually wrote a uh, poem because my stepmom is a teacher at a her public school and she asked me to write something because I come from a family of writers <laughs> and uh, you know the basic ideal of the poem is you know bruises and scars are there but they're not a bad thing you know a scar means that you healed a bruise means that your body's trying to protect you and heal you you can't look at those scars and those bruises and those cuts and those scrapes as you know, these underlying things that are going to forever weigh you down or these underlying things that have ruined who you are. You need to look at them as these are part of what has brought me to this point. So how can, what can I do to make sure that, you know, I don't inflict these same bruises and scars onto someone else? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was it that moment that realizing that you could try to go to different religions that made you decide I'm not I'm no longer just Catholic or Christian um no it was a bit before that because okay. like I said we stopped going to private school and for after that we kind of just separated ourselves from the ministry and the parish mm -hmm. and 
I stopped going to church every weekend, and that was when it kind of started to dawn on me, like, all right, well, maybe this isn't me. Yeah, maybe it, maybe it isn't me. And I would I would say going into the military, the defining point was when I went to that first mass. Oh, okay. And I was sitting there expecting that it was going to be like when I was a kid, where I listened to them preach the gospel and I listened to them, you know, give the sermons, and I just sit there and take it all in, but. It was all just kind of bouncing off of me. It mm-hmm. was all just kind of like, well, I don't want to be here. I have other things that I'd rather be doing right now. You know, the, all these other people are probably in a way more uplifting place than where I am right now. And I kind of took a step back and was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'm not Christian Catholic. Maybe, yeah. who knows? Maybe I'm Buddhist. <laughs> Probably yeah. not because I really like you know combat sports and. Yeah. Um, but what's the harm in trying it out? You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. And you know, once I went to that second, um, or that Protestant mass, it was just kind of like, wow, you know, this world's a big place that I can't just. I can't just give myself up to one thing and expect that that's what it's going to be. Yeah. I have to really, 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 really get a taste for what life has to offer because otherwise I'm just wasting time and I hate wasting time. Me too. Me too. Question for you. Okay. What are you... Because many people use them for that spiritual awakening, Mm -hmm. what do you find as your, like, solid ground? Like, for me, I have my Christian faith, but Mm -hmm. I also have, like, my worship. Yeah. You know, where I just play music and I raise my hands or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, for me, my base, I would, I would say it's martial arts. Um, growing up, I was bullied a lot in school and stuff. And, uh, because uh, I don't know if you can tell, I'm not a very big person. And I was even shorter and smaller when I was in, uh, elementary middle school. So it was very easy to pick on me. And, um, I also grew up in not the best neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. So I learned how to fight pretty early on and I just kind of fell in love with martial arts and the idea of you know not beating the crap out of someone but the discipline that goes behind it and in a sense the spirituality that goes into it because um, you can't really expect to ever accomplish anything in the world of martial arts unless you dedicate yourself to it mm-hmm. so definitely martial arts so and I know I really is my show. Yeah, we can do whatever the okay. hell we want to do. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like <laughs> that. Um, I'm not doing this for professionalism. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I guess like my follow-up question is like you know how everyone has what started their belief mm-hmm. and then you have your actual belief. Mm-hmm. So like for me like my Christian background is what started my beliefs. I can change my background as much as I want. But just like with you, like, you know, you went to a private school, you know, you went to church, you found out that maybe that church wasn't for you and things of that nature. And then you talked about how you went to a Protestant church mm-hmm. and how you felt a little bit different, but you still felt a little condemned in yeah. a sense is, 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 is kind of what I'm going off of. So my whole question to you is, is it the religion or is it the people? Absolutely, wholeheartedly, the people. So, so then you don't have a problem with 
the religion, like you're no. fine with 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 the beliefs of it, but because of your experience with the people, you just feel like you can't connect to it anymore, right? I believe that you should be able to be comfortable believing in whatever you want to believe in, as long as you're not hurting other people. That's cool. That's 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 basically that's what it. I want to get. Well, into. it's just like. I consider myself a man of science. I am wholeheartedly 100% in love with science. I mean, to the point where whenever I get bored and I have nothing to do, I sit there and read like papers about theoretical physics and the new discoveries in all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my go-to. And a lot of people believe that if you believe in science, you can't believe in God. If you believe in science, you can't believe in a higher power. But it's like, that makes no sense because the thing about it like this, the concept of energy. Energy cannot be created or destroyed, only changed. People are energy. Everything's energy. Exactly. So when a person dies, they don't cease to exist. Right. Their energy is still going somewhere, even mm-hmm. if it's to, you know, the worms in the ground or the oxygen in the air or the dirt in the earth. It's going towards something. And to sit there and s- tell someone to their face when you die it's over there's nothing there that's so it doesn't make you might as well just slap them in the face or you know punch them in the gut like it's a very cruel thing to do and in the same sense telling someone that god isn't real you're wrong to believe in religion like well who the hell are you to say that you know yeah like that's not any of your business and you have no business telling someone that you know yeah, it's a bit harder to argue with someone when it comes to the matter of science because it's a lot of documented evidence. Mm-hmm. And people say in sense that, you know, well, religion's all just out of a book that you can't prove. And it's like, well, why does that make it wrong for me to believe in it, you know? It's all about how we perceive things. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I could say, I could give you the most innocent and simple sentence, but somebody out there is going to find a way to twist it into something else. Yeah. Um, and going off of that, I understand, what the fuck am I trying to say? I'm so bad at expressing myself verbally, <laughs> man. Because, like, uh, I used to express myself through writing, too, so I would always write and, and just close the book and put it away. Mm-hmm. But having to actually, like, articulate myself and trying to find the right words is probably the hardest thing about starting this. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. Yeah. I, I, I think, so, you know... I don't really... <laughs> I remember what I was trying to Sorry, say. Sorry, go, go. Okay. Um, because, do you know anything about the Baha'i faith? No. Uh, so the Baha'i faith essentially believe that all religions are the same because mm-hmm. they all essentially believe in one bigger picture. They believe that science helps religion as much as religion helps science. Yeah. They believe that everybody's the same. They believe that human rights should be for everybody not just one race or one you know whatever and essentially this whole big equality picture and you know focusing on the human race but i find it interesting you know i Mm -hmm. feel like it's a very good way to teach children how to look at life especially if you choose to grow like puts your your kids into that so that they can grow up with those beliefs i think that's beautiful i like what religion does for kids in terms of moral compasses it Mm -hmm. allows them to establish that like what's good and what's bad but i don't like the idea of making a kid feel like they're undeserving of something because of an action or or of a thought even you know um in the mormon church 
you have to go and speak with the president and have an interview before entering the temple. You need to pass the interview in order to enter the temple. And when you go to the temple, you have to dress in all white. And they ask you all these questions about if you believe the gospel's true, if you believe in Jesus Christ and, you know, the, the Holy Spirit and stuff, if you've ever masturbated, you know, if you've ever looked at porn, if you've ever these things, right? And, and they ask you every time you have to go into the temple. And at a certain point, it, to me personally, um, I feel like it's an invasion of privacy, you know? Uh, I, I feel like religion truly is an individual's relationship with God. Yeah. And I feel like that relationship has nothing to do with a council or a little government you want to establish or whatever it is you want to call it. Because if anything, it it's like a third wheel, you know? Yeah. I, the only person who should ever have any sway over your relationship with God is you. Mm-hmm. Because, sure, this person may be an agent of God or this person may be, you know, someone sent down to help deliver his word. Well, I've received his word now. You say that, you know, he is, you know, to put it in the perspective of like Christian Catholic, God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, when you go to talk to your father, you don't go to this other person and say, you know, I want to ask for forgiveness from dad. Can I sit down and talk to you and then you'll relay that to him and give me the okay? Like, no. (laughs) If I'm going to talk to my father... I'm going to go sit down and talk with my father. There's there's no middleman between you and your faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times it that's what it feels like, like, uh, especially when you're young. It really feels like you don't have a sense of privacy. And if you do have a sense of privacy, it's a sin. Like you're keeping something secret or Mm -hmm. you there's something you don't want to say. And regardless, you know, sometimes teenagers like to experiment their own body. What's wrong with. I just feel like, yeah. you know, we <laughs> should have a say with our bodies, our minds, because it's ours. So we essentially, we, we should do whatever it is as long as we are accountable, as long as we are accountable of our actions mm-hmm. and as long as we, again, don't harm others. Yeah, uh, it's it's a simple matter of, you know, in order to actually become a person, you have to live. And if you're being weighed down by these people who set these expectations of well like for instance when uh one of my friends from my private school was in eighth grade he got caught you know kissing a girl at the school and you know (laughs) oh my gosh they they had to like go to the church and kneel down in the church and beg for forgiveness from god for their acts of debauchery and yeah and it's like how are you going to humiliate these kids for being kids it's you, you, they go to a science class where you tell them about hormones and about how they're growing older and they're going to have these feelings and then you belittle them for it. You tell them it's normal and then you yeah, and then you like make them feel it. like it's not normal. Yeah, and so um, yeah, I mean like it all just comes down to you can be a, a religious person without being a terrible person. Yeah. So with the whole spirituality thing uh what are some fun metaphysical things you like to believe about it hmm. um if you don't that's fine you don't have um I mean. it's just you don't 
explain that a little bit? Yeah. Because even I'm confused. It, it's a bit of a... Like, that uh, one word right there. Metaphysical. <laughs> so, like... um. Would you say, like, you've ever left your body, I guess? Well, I guess I haven't really, like... Because we did just meet, so I haven't really talked about, like, my beliefs or what I how I feel about it. Um, so, my big spiritual awakening happened um, January of 2019. I had just gotten out of a relationship that was not very long. Um, but the way that that relationship was from start to finish really allowed me to give myself that self-confrontation I never really did or that I was always afraid of and um, I got really sick around November and uh, I was diagnosed with like a tumor so I had to get surgery in January but the thing is I don't have health insurance either so I had to travel out of country in order to receive the medical attention that I needed and when I traveled to El Salvador to get my surgery I I entered the situation with a very clear head mm. because the day or like the days leading up to the trip I, I did some sleep hypnosis. I've always been one to do things like that. And um, because I was falling back into that depression, that whole shame and guilt and stuff, um, I did the sleep hypnosis because I finally decided, like, I want to love myself. I'm tired of hurting other people, and I know that the only way to do to stop hurting other people is to love myself. So in doing the sleep hypnosis i did want to release all negativity so the only thought in my head when i woke up the next day was that i was determined to love myself and i went into the trip and the the whole procedure and everything with that in my mind and so i was super positive the whole time i never felt in anxious or scared or what was going to happen to me there was just like this real inner peace that i never really thought i could find and it kind of just pretty much happened subconsciously mm -hmm. And um, after the surgery, I think my spiritual awakening happened uh, in my time in El Salvador. I think being away from technology and people and social media and everything that it is that drives us to do the things that we do, I think stepping away from that and really seeing myself clearly and my situation and the things that I want for myself clearly helped me to decide what it is that I want to do next. And so somebody that inspired me to like look into it more was uh pope saint francis and he's a catholic mm -hmm. but I, I don't consider myself catholic nor did i look more into the catholic church but what he stood for definitely resonated with me and that's how i started to go into my spiritual knowledge and spiritual journey and education i looked into him i looked into his life and then from there i learned more things and more things so then coming back to the united states I still had that drive to learn and even to this day I just keep trying to learn more and more mm -hmm. and more but that definitely just the whole surgery thing definitely put a lot of stuff um, aligned myself with what I really wanted to do and yeah all right time for me to sound crazy <laughs> so um, I believe that oh man this is about to take this podcast to an entirely different turn. I'm I excited. believe that we're <laughs> not alone in the universe. Me either. Yeah, I. I love that. I, I love yeah, that idea. Why I, wouldn't we want to? believe I find that? it a lot <laughs> scarier to think that we are alone. I find exactly. it scary to think that we're the only sense of life. Imagine we just die, and then there's just a bunch yeah, of rocks and floating in space. Void. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, when I was 
Seven or eight years old. Here we go. <laughs> no, Did you mean alien? I have. <laughs> that's that's where we're going. I was camping. Um, <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was camping, and my friends and I were staying up late in the tent, and we were all on our. This is back in the day of the PlayStation Portable, so we were all oh, playing yeah. on our PSPs and hanging out, laughing. And my friend goes, I really need to pee. So we're like, all right, cool. Well, go outside the tent and go pee then. Like, what the hell you want us to do? Mm-hmm. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. And so he's like, all right, whatever. I'm going to go pee real quick. And he, un- like, opens the flap on the tent, and then he just gets quiet, completely quiet. You and didn't even hear him walk away? or was No, he didn't even get out of the tent. He just goes to the, like, he opens the, like, screen on the tent to make sure that none of the adults are out so we don't get in trouble. And then we just see him staring. And we're like, what the hell? Like, go pee, dude. He's like, I'm not going out there. So we're like, why? Why? You said you need to go pee. And he's, there's something out there. And my other friend's like, nope, you're fucking with me. Nope, I'm going to sleep. And he kind of just tucks away. He's like, no, I am completely dead serious. Yeah. So me, being as curious as I am, I yeah, <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, let me see. And I look out, and there are just these things moving around the camp with like little white heads and they're all just going around and we talked about this we talked about this goddamn thing no i i fucking read about it i read i know what the fuck you're talking about okay let him finish his story i'm sorry (laughs) all right so i look out and i'm like what the hell is that and i'm like no because i'm talking to my other friend who's like y'all are fucking with me shut up and i'm like no dude like he's he's serious come look and he's just like no 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 and we're getting kind of like freaked out because we don't know what the hell that is and it's just moving around the campsite and everyone's asleep and you know we're just staring and then all of a sudden the next thing i remember is there was this flashing red light and all the adults are walking through the campsite going and looking through all the tents and they're like what are you guys doing awake like it was like I just lost a chunk of time just staring out the tent because... Next it, thing you knew, everybody yeah. was awake. Next thing I know, all the parents are going through all the campsites. They came out of nowhere. They're all checking the tents to make sure all the kids are like in their tents and stuff. And, you know, up to that point, I always thought aliens and cryptids and monsters and everything were interesting. After that point, I was dead set that... You are convinced that, yeah. like, something is going on. So... Um, I would say that that moment really opened my eyes to not only the whole concept of are we alone and all that sci-fi stuff, but it kind of made me realize that it was the final acceptance I needed as a child to really cement that there is something bigger to this thing we call life than just humans being humans and people being people. Mm -hmm. And it, kind of gave me the idea that I can really, 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 really let myself get into something and kind of seek out answers because there are some things that we may never get answers to. Mm -hmm. So if I don't kind of assert myself into the situation and give myself the drive to open my eyes and look out to what I can find, then 
no one and nothing can do that for me. So would you say that was your spiritual awakening? Maybe, may, right? maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, I've got I've got a lot of stories like that actually. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I have one. Um, I don't really like to talk about it because I don't think the way that I can describe it makes much spooky sense, mm -hmm. you know. But I was at Target when I was probably around the same age as you. Maybe it was the same people. Who knows? But um, I wouldn't say people. But maybe <laughs> I was. I think I was around like nine, eight or nine, and. Um, I was in Target with, and I was with my mom, and then we were walking, and then we saw some people from church, and we were like, oh, hey, how are you, you know, and one of the, the kids from that family, they were, like, older than me, mm -hmm. but they, w they had already had that phase where they didn't care much for the church, they just went for mm -hmm. the, you know, for their parents, but she was so avid in, like, all of these alien kind of things, and, like, tarot cards or crystals and she would have crazy dreams about like entities and stuff people would assume that you know maybe she was losing it mm -hmm. or she was crazy but like i since i was young i was like oh that's pretty cool you know like i couldn't really say for myself like no this isn't real um and i didn't feel the need to say that anyways and so we were at that target and i met up with her and then we were walking towards the checkouts and then i see this woman and I say woman because, like, the way she was dressed and, and looked looked like a woman. But, like, she was wearing, like, this fuchsia, really light fuchsia suit, some heels. She had this, like, platinum blonde ponytail and this tiny little bag. Tiny, tiny little bag. And she was holding it like this. But she had nothing in her hands, like, that she wanted to purchase. So we stood and we looked at her and she turned to us like this and her eyes were like pitch black. Her skin was purple um, and she just looked at us and then it was like we were paralyzed, but we never saw her leave. Hmm. We never saw her leave. Um, after we saw her, we walked and then we paid for our stuff at a different register and by the time we looked back, she was gone. Nobody saw her leave. Nobody even really witnessed her. It was so weird because it honestly felt like we could not turn away from the eye contact. Yeah, I, I could, I, I have a lot of part of believing that there is something bigger to all of this is really taking a step back at some of the weird things that happen in life yeah. and kind of being like, well, it's okay and if it's weird. Know, the same way that I believe in aliens and extraterrestrial life. I also believe in spirits and, you yeah. know, and I, I have some stories about that, too. Really? But yeah. I, not to turn this into the, uh, you know. No, I, I live for this stuff. Yeah, I live for this stuff. Well, <laughs> we, uh, my girlfriend jokes around a lot, and so does my roommate, that I have a spirit attached to me, oh. that I have something attached to me. You feel presences or? Oh, I more than feel them. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, she has talked with me about that. Yeah. So, um, I, I'm trying to think of the most re the most recent one was uh, my previous roommate that I had. We had just gotten done moving in, and so we had walkie talkies in the apartment, and we were kind of just like fucking with each other and talking to him. And he, they have like the little alarm button on it, so it hits the alarm when someone else is walkie talkie if 
uh, it's on the same channel. Mm -hmm. They kept hitting it and hitting it, hitting it. So I was getting really annoyed. Changed it to like just completely different channel, so you couldn't uh, buzz me anymore. And you know, we just kind of stopped fucking with them and left them on the counter, and that was it. I'm an insomniac, really bad insomnia. So he like was slumped on the couch, and there were two couches in the living room. One was over here, and I was on the other one. I could see him, and we're in the living room and I'm just kind of on my phone and then I hear the walkie-talkie just ping it's like Duh. and I can see the other walkie-talkie on the table not only that but they're on different channels yeah and then I just hear something talking over it it's yeah. just like you're awake I, I you're there pick mm -hmm. up and it's just kind of talking and I can see that there's nothing over there and did, did you pick it up no, <laughs> I was. It was like pitch black hey, in the apartment. For the fuck I was. Of it. Why yeah. not? Well, so I was like, oh hell no, 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 no. So I turn off the walkie-talkie and I'm like, nope. And he wakes up the next morning and I'm like, we're never using those things again, never. Wow. And he, I tell him, and he's also really, you know, superstitious. So he's like, nope. And so that was that, and we kind of let it be. A year later, we'd been living together still, and we were watching a movie, and um we just like for the fuck of it we're like dude what if we picked up the walkie-talkie again and you know something happened so we just finished the movie and we're kind of sitting around the apartment hanging out waiting for some people to come over and we turn it on and within 30 seconds of turning on it pings and like Duh. and then all you hear is <sighs> and just like breathing and we're wow. like what the fuck so it back and we're like hello who's there <laughs> no that's where you no up. response no, you, did it communication. you created the that communication was before you opened up a, the moment you start messing with stuff like this that's where you reach a realm of if you are not spiritually available to be able to handle this your spirit is going to be attacked not you but your spirit I don't know the whole superstition part for me I get uneasy about it because I've seen it firsthand. Don't and mess with the unknown. Yeah, don't mess with the unknown. And if you if you know that you're not in a place where you feel like you can address it, if it becomes a serious issue, then to an extent it becomes the same as entering into a relationship that you know you're not emotionally available for. Mm -hmm. So um, just closing thoughts mm -hmm. real quick. Like what's a what's a message that you would like to because you know you you take advantage of being yeah. on here. Oh um, well, I'd say the biggest message that I could say while I'm on here is um, the compassion you feel for yourself is going to be directly proportionate to the compassion that you can feel for other people. The joy that you can feel for yourself is going to be directly proportionate to the joy that you can feel for other people you hear all the time you know you can't love someone else unless you love yourself and that's very true that doesn't mean that you need to only love yourself but it means that you know it's okay to love yourself despite flaws whatever flaws or issues you know if you come from a background where you feel like you're a waste of human space then I can promise you you're not everyone has some sort of purpose and um, you know if even one person can hear those words and just kind of take a step back and reevaluate the value that they have towards themselves and others uh, I would say that this has been 
a very positive experience and this has been a very I hope it can be a very positive message for the people that need to hear it and uh, I'm glad that you allowed me to come on your platform to share that with people of course yeah um and some closing thoughts for me it was been an honor here talking to you and getting to know you and I hope that yeah some people can take something out of this conversation and to hopefully be inspired to reflect a little bit and not not to be afraid to address things that you know need to be addressed because so uh, oftentimes the first step is the hardest one to take but once you've taken that one the next one gets a little bit easier so the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step exactly and so yeah thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you on the next episode mm-hmm.